0: Hello fellow peacemaker, or beefer if you're a hater. Thanks for joining me on episode 2 of Make Peace Not Beef. It's Lily, your host, and today I'm really excited to take you back in time and walk you through why I decided to become a vegan, and how it was the single biggest awakening in my life. Before I begin, I have a question for you. What does veganism mean to you? Think about it. And shoot me your answers at lily at com. That's L-I-L-L-Y. Two L's. I'd love to hear what you think it means. If you're thinking, Lily, I don't want to hear you or another vegan bring up veganism in front of me ever. And you're contemplating skipping this episode, I assure you, one, There's some eye-opening and useful knowledge in this episode that you don't want to miss out on. And two, I won't try to sell you veganism, because that's not the goal of my podcast. My goal is to simply provide you with additional data points by sharing my experiences, perspectives, and research findings I've accumulated over the years to empower you to make better, informed choices for yourself. Having said that, spoiler alert, you will likely see the world in a very different light by the time you finish this episode. So, let's get into it! Before I became a vegan, I utterly misunderstood what veganism was and what it stood for. I thought veganism was yet another first-world trendy diet invented by rich people who wanted to appear edgy or posh to differentiate themselves from everyone else, including the vegetarians, under the pretense of consuming a morally superior and healthier diet. In my head, if you really care about animals, Becoming vegetarian should be enough, right? Why do you need to take the extra step to cut out the dairy and eggs? That seems awfully unnecessary, other than for show. And seriously, why does a vegan cookie cost more than a regular cookie anyway if you're actually cutting out the butter and egg? None of this made sense to me. And seeing many vegan bloggers on social media only reinforced my impression of vegans as these upper-class people living in an immaculate mansion somewhere in California who ate spirulina avocado toast sprinkled with organic chia seeds for breakfast while still in their Lululemon yoga pants. So I wondered, how many people can realistically afford this kind of haute cuisine lifestyle? Not me. To give you some context, I was born and raised in Beijing, China, until I immigrated to Canada when I was 11. Beijing is the bustling and beautiful capital city of China, boasting ancient history and rich culture, although it's better known as the heavily polluted capital of China in the Western media. I grew up on the other side of the world where I saw what it was like for people to struggle to make ends meet, to compete in a resource scarce society. I grew up right around the time when China was experiencing an unprecedented economic boom that led to rapid urbanization, industrialization, a surge in Western multinational corporations outsourcing the production and manufacturing to China due to China's cheap labor, as seen by the cornucopia of made-in-China goods, all of which resulted in Beijing's heavy pollution and severe water shortage. As a kid, I saw public signs everywhere telling me to save water, so I became a practical environmentalist that protected water as a sacred resource. I saved water and energy everywhere I could. Not kidding, I used to pee in the dark and not flush the toilet after because I thought I was saving both water and electricity. It's gross in hindsight, but I thought I was the real hero and the defender of Mother Earth. Wait, Lily, you went off on a tangent there, why is any of this related to veganism? All that is to say is that even though I wasn't a vegan, and I still ate meat, I was still probably incurring far less environmental damage by being far more mindful of my overall food, water, and energy consumption compared to the vast majority of my vegan counterparts in the West. Sorry Western Vegans. So. I was stunned when i immigrated to canada to discover that drinking water was basically free and of the highest quality and i was further stunned by how wasteful people were with everything so to me veganism in a developed country was the highest form of hypocrisy so as you can see i was an environmentalist before i was a vegan and as i got older that environmentalism evolved into climate activism as i began to learn and witness firsthand the devastating impact of climate change but i never made the connection between climate and animal agriculture until one day when my dad was driving me to the airport he mentioned that China was being criticized for its heavy beef consumption and that cows produced significant amounts of methane that contributed to climate change and i was like Wait, what? So, it's not just cars and factories and buildings? It's cows? After a moment of stupor, I was like, holy smokes, what else do I not know about climate change? So, I started digging, reading book after book, article after article, bridging all those knowledge gaps. After I learned about the sweeping impact of animal agriculture on climate change, I adopted a plant-based diet. AKA flexitarian, AKA 70% in veggies and 30% meat. And then one day, one of my closest friends, Eliza, who I hope to feature on a future episode, recommended me this book called How Not to Die by Dr. Michael Greger, which is probably regarded as the holy bible of plant-based nutrition, but also a detailed evidence-based analysis of the relationship between meat and dairy consumption and chronic diseases. I'm so thankful she recommended it to me, and I highly recommend it to you because it is a life-saving book that taught me so much about nutrition and diet and how it has been an invisible yet invincible force that has been shaping my life and determining the course of my future in ways I didn't even know. I was fascinated by the power of a plant-based diet to prevent, heal, and reverse heart diseases, diabetes, cancers, Alzheimer's, etc. cetera, But even after reading the book, I was like, okay, so the key take-home message here, TLDR, is to eat your veggies. That's literally what I've been doing my whole life. Good to know. So reading How Not To Die did not persuade me to become a vegan, although it definitely got me curious and served as a strong foreboding of the adverse health effects of eating animal products. But is this plant-based diet really as mighty as it claims to be? What about just eating a balanced diet with moderate consumption of meat, dairy, and eggs? Wouldn't that be equally healthful without the risk of iron and B12 and vitamin D deficiency since meat is actually very nutrient dense? So I still enjoyed my teriyaki salmon, KitKat flavored ice cream, vanilla yogurt occasionally even after reading the book, but I just kept it to a minimum. All of that was about to change when one day I saw a video on YouTube that revealed the truth behind the dairy industry. Now, this is not my first time seeing a video about animal farming, but this was the first time in my life where I truly processed what humanity has been doing and the magnitude of the brutality. So what the dairy industry does is to artificially inseminate cows every year such that each cow is kept pregnant for 9 out of 12 months until she gives birth, in which a vacuum is used to painfully suck milk out of her udders, causing many cows to develop mastitis, which is infection and inflammation of the udder. Other cows faint due to exhaustion. To prevent the cows from getting sick or dying too soon, we inject tons of antibiotics into them. And how does artificial insemination happens? First, to extract the semen, the dairy farmer inserts a large electrical metal tube into the rectum of a bowl to stimulate him until he involuntarily ejaculates. Then, the farmer uses what's commonly called a rape rack, you've heard me correctly, to insert his hand into the cow's rectum until he locates her uterus. Then, in an excruciatingly painful process for the cow, he forces the device in to complete the insemination. And that's how she is forcibly impregnated, or perhaps I should say, raped. When I learned that every single glass of milk I drank, the butter I slathered on my toast, the ice cream I blissfully enjoyed under the hot summer sun, unfortunately, all had to be produced this way. I was horrified, and shocked, and deeply saddened by what I had unknowingly done. Then, I learned what happened after the cow had just given birth to a baby calf. In the video, I saw the adorable baby calf looking up at his or her mother with big innocent eyes, wanting to cuddle with the mother cow. The mother cow, like a normal human mother would with her maternal instinct, affectionately licks her new baby daughter or son as they try to bond and that's when the dairy farmer unrelentingly grabs the seconds old baby cow by her head and throws her into a steel cage and separates her from her mother the mother cow rebels and wails you can see tears and pain in her eyes as you would with a human mother as she desperately tries to get her baby back but to no avail the mother cow will never be able to see her baby again and she herself will soon be sent off to be milked. That milk, originally intended to nurture her newborn calf, is then forcibly extracted and stolen from her and sent off to the supermarket for mass human consumption. It's kind of preposterous, right? Humans are the only species on the entire planet where adults are still drinking the milk of another species, intended for their babies. Now, if the baby is a male calf, he may be slaughtered soon as veal, or slaughtered later to be made into a burger. If the baby calf is a female, she will trace the tragic fate of her mother and become a dairy cow that will be raped every single year, over and over again, until she can no longer reproduce and generate milk, in which case she, too, becomes a burger. That's where the dairy industry becomes the meat industry. I never thought of myself as an animal lover. I don't even own pets. I rarely cry or get emotional or upset, but I cried that day after seeing that video. I can't help but cry after learning about the unfathomable level of cruelty, rape, enslavement, and abuse of animals I have been contributing to all my life by consuming animal products. That's when I realized that the association between dogs and cows between animals we love and animals we eat, between pets and food, is purely arbitrary and man-made and nonsensical. How could I have been blind to this all my life? How is it that humanity has come such a long way to end wars and ratify peace treaties, abolish slavery, advance gender and racial equality? And yet here we are, every year bringing hundreds of billions of animals who feel joy and pain as we do into this world only to enslave, rape, mutilate, torture, and slaughter them, perpetuating the very kinds of inhuman cruelty and inequality we condemn as a civilization. I felt sad, angry, frustrated, but above all, that I've been lied to my whole life about how we are headed toward a better world. And now the veil has been lifted. In that moment, I suddenly understood why each and every one of those angry and preachy vegans existed. I suddenly saw the world through their eyes, its anger on the outside but sadness and powerlessness on the inside. They've been living with the harsh truth I now know. I feel terrible for having wronged vegans and misunderstood what an important, unnecessary battle they were fighting. I knew in that moment there was no other way for me to live peacefully other than to become a vegan. I could not unsee or unlearn anything I now know. I knew. I had to spread the word so we could bring justice and peace to this world sooner. Funny how, after a life-changing epiphany where I finally understood what veganism was, which is a movement toward a compassionate, humane world, I went from asking, why do vegans exist? to Why isn't veganism the norm? How can I inform more people about the way we raise and consume animals so we can end it? Not only for our own health, the planet's future, but also the lives of billions of animals who want to and deserve to live a happy life. It's been a little over two months now since I've become a vegan. I know, I'm very new to the game, but that doesn't make me care any less. The real challenge in being a vegan is staying a vegan and navigating the social circumstances around veganism. Every day, I think about the questions I've told you earlier, and I think about how I can make an impact with my limited time on this planet. Since becoming a vegan, I feel so much more connected to every aspect of the world, to animals, to other humans, to the planet, and everything else. It's actually a miraculous transformation. I feel this outpour of compassion that makes me want to relate to and understand others, hear their stories, and see things through their lens so I can better empathize with them. It's by manifesting compassion that I create peace with myself and everything around me. There are days where I wonder if everything in my life prior to becoming a vegan was really leading up to this revelation, this awakening, which gives me a newfound purpose and drive to tackle climate change, animal abuse, and inequality and violence in the world everywhere. So, let's not make any more beef, ladies and gentlemen. Let's start planting those peas, so that peas can one day dominate the world. I hope you liked this episode and found it helpful. If you're still a hater, aka beefer, well, Thank you for being such a loyal beefer and listening all the way through. Don't forget to subscribe for better episodes down the road. Your support is my creative juice. If you have any questions, shoot me an email at lily at makepeacenotbeef.com. That's Lily spelled L-I-L-L-Y. Feel free to check out my website, makepeacenotbeef.com for more information. Peace out, everyone. I'll see you in the next episode.